Copycat, let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19, all new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Your morning starts now. It's the Q102 Jeff and Jen podcast. Brought to you by CBG Airport. Start your trip at CBGAirport.com. Ever wonder why spiders will take the risk of crawling around right in front of you, even right though it could potentially mean instant death for them? Well, it's the same reason humans take stupid risks. It's often driven by the desire to get some. A new study found that you're <laughs> most likely to spot a spider in your house between 6 p.m. And 9 p.m. with the absolute peak taking place at 7.35 p.m. And that's why when you catch those boogers to put them outside, put them outside far away from the house because they're the ones that are either knocked up or about to get knocked up and you don't want them having babies at your house. Oh, no, no, no. Just a couple weeks ago, I went downstairs to do laundry and there was this gigantic thing. I posted it on Facebook because I was trying to figure out what it was. Yeah. It was a... uh, a camel cricket or a hopping cricket. Really? But it looked, because it was so big, like a giant spider. Uh-huh. And then you get really close and you're like, oh, there's not eight legs. But Yeah. yeah. It now, was well, incredible, Steve though. I if Steve catches I, butts I like that. He eats his own poops. I mean, I think anything's fair game. <laughs> 7.35 p.m. is the peak for when female spiders like to make their webs. And since the ladies are out, the male spiders know it. And they wander around looking to mate. That's what he was doing. Mm. At some point, your kid is going to get sick at school. That's what happens when you jam 30 kids in a small room for nine months and just kind of hope they all wash their hands. But a new survey asked parents to name the worst injury or bug their kid can come home with from school. Mm. And the results were kind of surprising, especially number two. Uh Uh-oh. Uh, a broken arm or sprained arm or leg was actually number one, but number two was a broken heart. Aww. Really. Oh, I oh, the first one, they don't, you know, that's a, that's just life-altering for them. I mean, where's lice? When they come home. I thought that would be at the top. Lice was right behind broken heart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and this is according to parents. You know, you, you're in the parent state of mind and what they have to deal with, the fallout that they have to deal with when the kid comes home with this. Oh. So broken or sprained arm or leg was number one. Broken heart was number two. Lice was number three, followed by chicken pox. There you go. Broken or sprained finger, strep throat, allergic reaction, the flu, pink eye, and broken glasses. Those all trailed. The broken heart. Hmm. <laughs> the worst day ever, Jacob, coming home from school is a kid accidentally punched him in the side of the face and knocked, knocked his glasses off, gave him a little bit of a shiner and broke his glasses. And he came home. And with Jacob, anytime something new happens in his life, he, he tries to fit it into this schedule in his head. And so he started crying, which I have seen him do twice in his entire life over anything that seemingly made him sad. And he's crying and he thought 
that he was going to get punched every day. Oh, poor mm. guy. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I had to explain to him that he wasn't going to get punched every day. So then he wanted to know if it was going to happen every week, every month or every year. You're like, no, no. <laughs> so isolated incident. It, that's exactly what we call it. <laughs> it's an isolated. Yes. Isolated incident. It's an isolated yeah. incident. Yep. Uh I don't know. That's I know, sad. right? The poor it was, guy. It was horrible. So I could see where a broken heart, you know, if they don't, uh, kids don't understand that they're going to get over this, you know, they don't understand that they might, yeah, they think they're going to feel like this forever and that nobody's ever going to like them back. And that's hard that's to worst. explain yes. and, and to help them cope with. I know a lot of people that have recently had, like, I guess the hand, foot, and mouth is going around like, crazy is right it now really too. yes i know four kids that have that have had it what's ridiculous well, is i had never even heard of it before i got it a couple of years ago and then when i got it it seemed like it's all i hear about now yeah well i guess Has something changed i don't think i don't know i just feel like maybe you don't know you have it or something and then people start touching stuff because they were like you can get it on the shopping cart i mean easy it's all over. I know where I got it from. And that's yeah. why we're not going to do any sort of videos that involve borrowing weird outfits Things from, from anybody. <laughs> Stuff. Everything must be purchased brand Always feel confident on your second date. With help from the Plastic Surgery Group. Schedule a consultation at 513-791-4440 or at theplasticsurgerygroup.com. Surgery has an art. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. No. Borrowing stuff. You can't. I just won't be participating. <laughs> just be the cameraman. That right. Day. And that's what's so funny is probably the biggest germaphobe in the room is the one that, that got that it got all. it. Yeah, it didn't even occur to me like when I was putting on that used, borrowed football equipment for this video that we were shooting, it didn't even occur to me that... That might... Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Is it possible to love someone? Here's a question. Is it possible to love someone if they are actively rooting against you when you're watching football on the weekend? No, it's not possible. (laughs) Of course you can. (laughs) A new survey asked people if they could date someone who was a fan of their rival sports team. And what I found fascinating about this is that it was a bigger deal breaker for women than Mm -hmm. it was for men. Probably because men are just way better at trash talking and just being mean. Oh, you think that's the reason? Maybe. But they don't know when to quit when you're... You know, watching the game and their team's winning. I was kind of thinking that maybe it's because as passionate as men are about their sports team, women see that as sort of like a a betrayal of loyalty somehow. Like, you're not supporting me and what I want for my team. This team is important to me. This team is, 
you know, we've we've supported this team since I was a child. We have memories tied into going to these games. And uh, you want to see them lose? You want to see me and my family destroyed? That is a betrayal. Well, I just can't imagine being a female Bengals fan and dating a male Steelers fan. See, I know a couple the other either. way around. I can't do well, that. You see, I think Where the other she's way the Steelers fan and he's the Bengals easier. fan. I don't know, man. I think I it would still like be awful. But. It depends on also, like like Jen is saying about how preachy and sometimes rude they are. In your face. And, by, and for in both ways, like Bengal fans versus Steeler, you know. But mm-hmm. I just can't. I don't know. If they're a nice fan, then maybe. Do you have any friends that are Steeler fans? Sally Morgan, my uh, be- my very best friend from the fourth grade. Do you grade. watch games with her? No, no, and we don't talk. Like my mom and her will taunt each other a little bit because my mom's nice and she's nice. But I'm like, literally, we get mad, Le- like yeah. mad, angry. I know a couple where she's a Steelers fan and he is the Bengals fan and they trash talk, but it's like they love it. It's sort of their thing. Yeah, they get some people get off on it. Like yeah. they, get, they get physically excited. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then when, you know, and then all is well again. I need you to be nice. <laughs> <laughs> They're able to turn it on and off like that. Uh, what else? Let's see. Uh, 22% of women. Yeah. 22% of women say they cannot date someone who was a fan of the team they hate. But only 15% of men had an issue with it. Fascinating. Um, Oh, and if you're curious about how this extends into political beliefs, you might find this interesting. A third of men say it's more important to be fans of the same teams than to, than to have the same political beliefs. So they do place more emphasis. Even though men are less passionate about it than women are, they do place sports over politics. And 41% of men and 25% of women say it's more important to be fans of the same teams than to have the same religious beliefs. All right. Switching gears here for a second. Sometimes life works like a romantic comedy. I mean... This guy named Carlos Zentina, he is a student at the University of Calgary in Alberta, Canada. Last week, he was at a bar on campus when he met a girl named Nicole. Carlos and Nicole hit it off, but she accidentally typed her number into his phone wrong. So the next day, when he realized that he had the wrong number, he found every Nicole in the student directory. Yeah. All 246 of them. Wow, that's a lot. And he sent them an email, all 246 of them, to find that one special Nicole. Oh, I love this guy. But it didn't work exactly like he planned. No? For two reasons. Well, the Nicole he met wasn't in the directory. Of course. So she was not one of the 246 he emailed. And he didn't BCC everyone. Oh. <laughs> Blind carbon copy everyone. He just plopped all their addresses into one email. So they started replying to each other and then cut them off the email chain. <laughs> and now all these Nicoles were hanging out, which is funny. But none of them decided they wanted to date him or meet him or check him out at all? There is a bright side here for Carlos. One of those Nicoles did know the the Nicole he was looking for. Okay. And now she and Carlos are back in touch oh, and good. they are planning to go on a date. Oh, good. Yeah, I thought that was kind of neat. That is funny. 
All right, Oktoberfest. It is mid-September, and that means Oktoberfest, right? Yep. And if you're not going to make it to Munich, Germany for Oktoberfest this year, the website Wallet Hub just released the 100 biggest cities in America where you can find the best place to celebrate over here. We Cincinnatians have always kind of prided us, prided ourselves as the uh, best place in America, number two in the world. We have the second biggest. Only behind Munich. Size-wise. Well, the rankings of this are based on the number of Oktoberfest parties, Oktoberfest festivals, their German population, breweries, and beer gardens per capita, and beer and sausage prices. And Cincinnati actually came in at number three in the U.S. Hmm. This is very misleading because the story says, and I'm defending You are Cincinnati getting a little feisty. This, I can see it. gets me... Because it says the best Oktoberfest, which is a beer festival. The best cities to celebrate. To celebrate Oktoberfest. Mm -hmm. But then it starts talking about sausage pricing and how many bars there are. That's not how you rank a Oktoberfest. Yeah. What what criteria would you have in your study? People, music, beer, lederhosen, Lederhosen. surprises, Mm -hmm. steins, dancing on tables. Chicken dance. Don't you feel like the amount of Oktoberfest you have in a city should also be included? Like we have like the Donna Schwaben, the Germania Society, the Mainstrauss Village. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have a lot of Oktoberfest. I feel like German culture is is more woven into our fabric here than it any is other city well. I'm not denying any of that info they got. Just don't call it who's got the best Oktoberfest. Call it these are cities that have lots of fun German stuff. Yeah, and cheap sausage. And sausage pricing. Yeah, and uh, Cincinnati came in behind New York City, which they ranked, which Wallet Hub ranked as number one, uh, followed by Portland, Oregon, and Cincinnati, Ohio. Hmm. See, I'm glad I get offers all the time from Wallet Hub for them to put one of their reporters on the show. They always want to. Yeah, have their reporters call in to promote their article. We don't you wanna, need that. You want to talk to him and let Tim attack? Put him on. I know. <laughs> Normal, him, normally, Tim. I just pass. I'm like, you know what? I could just read the study myself or the study, the ranking, the uh-huh. article. Uh-huh. But uh, now that I know that Tim is so passionate, I may actually. Uh, I'll get off my soapbox now. Have one Wallet come home. on. Nice people. They got up cool reports. They put out cool reports all the time. But, but they missed it. on the, They missed the boat on this one. They got the wrong name of the thing there. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll send you the the press release and you can write them. Cities with German. This is a dumb study. Best cities with German stuff is what it should have been called. And do they have, I mean, does New York and Portland, do they have anything like Zinzinati? No. You know, where they change the whole spelling of the city? They do not. Actually, I don't know. Zortland? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Doesn't work. New Zork? It just sounds like a sci-fi thing from the 70s. Hey, I think it's safe to say that it's, it might be a bad sign for a town if someone thinks it's got enough crackheads that it's worth starting a new business to cater to crackheads. And that is mm. exactly what is happening in three towns on Long Island, New York. Brookhaven, Corum, and Medford, Long Island. A few years ago, someone installed what seemed to be crack pipe vending machines in all three towns. Now, the machines claim they're selling pens for $2, but they're not really pens. They're a glass tube, a filter, and some ink. Hmm. In theory, 
you could put those things together to make a pen, but really people throw out the ink and they use the pipe and filter for smoking crack. Well. No one seems to be quite sure who installed the machines, but people in all three towns are not happy about them. The cops are investigating where they came from, and they say the owner could possibly be facing criminal charges. A councilman from Brookhaven says to sell a pipe is not illegal, but this is considered drug paraphernalia, and... It also is being dispensed from a machine that was installed illegally per town code. Yeah, it is kind of surprising to me how people, you know you can pretty much erect anything, especially like on a busy sidewalk, and most people just don't bat an eye or even think mm-hmm. about it. Don't even question don't it. Don't notice. Right. My job, but I used to work at a hospital, which was all right, but I'll tell you the worst thing about working at a hospital, it's really, really difficult to call in sick. <laughs> Because they're like, all right, come on down. <laughs> oh, I don't feel that bad. <laughs> Great, we'll see you in a few minutes. <laughs> but I'm getting out, I might get out of stand-up, though, because I'm going to open up an electrical power plant, and I'm going to be so rich from that. But people are like, Arge, it's really expensive to run a power plant. Yeah, I know it is. I'm not an idiot. <laughs> Why do you think directly next door to the power plant, I'm going to open up a huge gym, and everyone's going to be like, Oh, my God. I can't believe this gym's free. Yeah. Just keep pedaling. Thank you. Good night. 749. Jeff and Jen. It's Cincinnati's Q102. Uh, Coming up, second date update. Gail King talking yesterday on CBS this morning about the... Les Moonves scandal. And, I, you know, I don't know. I'm always kind of fascinated by how television networks handle the news when it's one of their own. You know, it was fascinating to watch Savannah Guthrie and Hoda Kotb the morning after everyone found out that uh, Matt Lauer had been fired. And the morning of, man, they found out. The morning of, that's just right. A couple hours before they went on the air. Yeah, they were, st- they were just so rattled that morning. And, uh, and then Char- Charlie Rose, of course, who was on the other morning show on CBS. They had a little more time to prepare. Right. And I don't know, there's just something about self-coverage that I find fascinating. And How many hours worth of meetings did they sit in choosing their words and their stance very carefully? Exactly. And now CBS going through this again with the head of the network. And Gail King saying that CBS needs to release the results of the investigation. I am so sorry again that it hits so close to home for us. You know, I'm sick and sick of the story and sickened by everything that we keep hearing. But the part you mentioned about transparency is very disturbing to me because I would think, how can we have this investigation and not know how it comes out? Les Moonves has been on the record. He says, listen, he didn't do these things, that it was consensual, that he hasn't hurt anybody's career. And I would think it would be in his best interest for us to hear what the report finds out. On the other hand, you have women who are coming forward very credibly talking about something that's so painful and so humiliating. It's been my experience that women don't come out and speak this way for no reason. They just don't. They just don't do it. And so... I don't know how we move forward if we don't, we at CBS, mm-hmm. don't have full transparency about what we find. Gil King calling out her own network. Wow, there. look at that. Yeah. Well, that must be nice. You know, when you're in a position where it's like, you just don't give a crap. 
Now, what are you going to do? Fire me? Right. Yeah, fine. Go right. ahead. What was, there aren't many people that are in that position. I know, right? <laughs> you know? What was Gail King's, uh, what is what is her resume other than being Oprah's best friend before landing? She's a news anchor. She was a news in anchor DC Hartford for, for years. Hartford, in Hartford. Connecticut, I think. Wasn't yeah. she like the magazine editor, too, when O came out? I think she had something to do with that magazine. She was. I mean, I think her background is she started out as a reporter. They might have even worked at the same television station together. And Maybe then she anchored for years in Hartford and then... Uh, I think she eventually did go to work for Oprah's magazine and they just stayed friends over the years. And now she's, uh, now, I mean, you know, she's talented, she's mm-hmm. talented mm-hmm. journalist, good journalist. It is seven fifty two with Jeff and Jen, Cincinnati's Q102. By the way, I, I missed it. Does anybody know if Julie Chen was back on the air? Is she Yesterday? Anything? Yeah. I don't know. Evidently not. Um, and that was another example of self coverage, watching the women on the talk. Discuss, you know, they have this relationship with Julie Chen. She's kind she's of one of the whole. She's kind of the the boss. She, yeah, it feels kind like of. sort of. She is. She seems she's like, like the, the big bad anchor journalist in the bunch. Yeah, and they're very. They were very careful to say, look, you know, she's my friend. She's been with me through thick and thin, and I support her. Um, I but don't at the really same know time, her husband. Yeah, except on a superficial level. And all I have to go on is what Julie has said to us over the years about her husband. And being very careful not to try to not, not to diminish or or uh, chip away at the credibility of any of the accusers. Mm-hmm. So just it's just a fascinating, interesting dance to be in that position watching it. And it ain't over yet. Thanks for listening to the Q102 Jeff and Jen Morning Show podcast, brought to you by CBG Airport. Start your trip at CBGAirport.com.